Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Somebody once asked Dallas Willard, theologian and Christian author, why do we need Christmas? And his answer was excellent. This is what Dallas Willard said. Human beings, individually and corporately, are stuck down this hole of trying to manage their lives. And in that hole, they cannot see very much. So they need someone to come into that hole and bring along the idea of another world. What happens with Jesus is not only does He come into the world, but He comes into the world in such a way that He is able to contact any person who is simply willing to look. That's what Christmas is about. It's about, if you wish, God coming down into our little hole and saying, hey, how are you doing in there? Would you like to see something different? I love that idea. Christmas is about God coming down to our little hole and saying, hey, how are you doing in there? Would you like to see something different? I think often our answer might be no. I think often what we're looking for isn't something different, but just something more of the same, right? I, I kind of know what makes me happy. I kind of know what I want, and i just like a little more of that, please. If I could have a little more money or a little more free time or a, a little more friends or a little more that's all I need. I don't need anything new or different. Just give me a little bit more. We all know that if some is good, more is better, right? That's, by the way, um, a statement that was written by someone who never went to Brick's ice cream and got a large. <laughs> but I, I think there's a challenge with this idea. I, I think the idea of more um, misguides us because we miss out on what we're really here for. Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you've been to a restaurant that has endless appetizers. Think about like your Olive Garden with your breadsticks and your salad, or like almost any Mexican restaurant with chips and dip, right? And maybe you've been there with your parent or with your child, and the first basket of chips and dip comes through, and the second, and the third comes through, and your mom says to you, or you say to your child, if you keep eating that, it will spoil your appetite or dinner. Yeah, okay. Uh, this has never happened to me with chips and dip because, because dip is slimy and I wouldn't eat it. Um, this has happened to me, however, in Texas Roadhouse because they have these, these rolls are just unbelievably good. I go to Texas Roadhouse for the steak, but more than once I have had my meal come and realized I was already uncomfortably full from the bread. Uh, and I think actually this is um, the challenge for us in our lives. We just want more and more and more of what we already know and already like, and we miss the fact that all of the little goods in our life are designed to prepare us for one great thing in the same way good appetizers are designed to prepare you for the entree. The bread is fun, but the steak is the main course. Uh, and in the same way, I think all the little goods in our life that we want more of are supposed to be not destinations, but arrows that point to something else. Food points us to the one who is the bread of life. And security points us to the one who is a mighty fortress. And friendship points us to the one who says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And family points us to the one who calls us brothers and sisters. And 
us call His Father, our Father who art in heaven. All of the little goods in our life exist to point us to the goodness of God who becomes flesh in Jesus. And, and I think this is overwhelmingly important. We can get sidetracked by the little goods. We can just want more of what this world offers. Or we can say, yeah, it's good, but I'm holding out for something even better. I believe the main course is coming. I believe ultimately my soul needs something different. This is, I think, what Isaiah believes. Isaiah, prophet who has this incredible vision of the coming kingdom of God, who says this vision, this kingdom that's coming, this king that's coming is going to be so different from every kingdom and king you've encountered before. This is going to be like light that comes into darkness. This is going to be like people who experience joy as a nation. This is going to be a kingdom where oppressors are broken and the oppressed are made free, where all the boots of the tramping warriors and every implement for war is burned as fuel for the fire because a king and a son and a child have come who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I think this is the choice that Christmas presents us with. Do we want more or do we want something different? And I think our response to those options is, is um, very different as well. I think when we go for more, generally our efforts are, are about trying harder, right? If I need more money, I need more time, I need whatever, I'm just going to try harder. Uh, I came across a video um, by a guy named Tom Ferry, who's a real estate guru, and I'm not into real estate, um, but he has a, a great conversation about this idea of trying harder, and I want to just share one minute of that conversation with you. I think we've all talked to somebody that have said to us, look, the simple answer is try harder. I remember reading a wonderful book called U Square many years ago by Price Pritchett, and the opening of the book tells this story of him sitting in this like quiet little place an hour outside of Toronto, and he said, I'm sitting there in this room and I'm listening to the futile attempt of this little fly trying hard to get through the window pane. And if you recognize just that moment, because we've all seen it before in our lives, that you know the effort, the intensity, the passion, the I'm gonna make it happen over and over again, banging into that windowsill, it really is the strategy that most people attempt when in many cases, if we really wanna create a breakthrough, we've gotta stop and look around and see what the other options are. You see, sometimes trying harder isn't the right approach, especially if what you're doing isn't working. I, I love the image of the fly against the windowsill, and I love the idea that so often, uh, if what you're doing isn't working, then trying harder won't help. Maybe there's something in your life today um, where you have just been trying harder, the same thing over and over again with more energy and more effort. And maybe you need to hear that you need not more, but different. Maybe what you're trying harder at is a really good thing. Uh, I think even, even the effort to become more Christ-like, even the effort to become more like the person God wants us to be is not rooted in trying harder. You cannot make yourself more loving or more hopeful or more faithful 
by exerting more effort. This is really important. These are not qualities that come from doing more godly stuff. Don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting that we need a passive or a a disengaged faith. I'm simply saying the way to different isn't driven by your effort. Uh, Just like you cannot sit in the pew and will yourself to have bigger muscles, um, but rather you need to go through some kind of exercise regimen that over time your body makes those muscles yourself, so too your spiritual muscles, faith and hope and love, are gifts of the Spirit that you get not by trying harder, but just by following Jesus. If the goal is more the strategy is try harder. If the goal is different, the strategy is actually about doing less, listening more, making space for God to move, and following saying yes when He does. This is what I love about the story of Joseph, right? That Joseph recognizes in the midst of an unbelievably crazy life, right? I mean, he's got everything planned out. He knows how it's supposed to go. He knows what his more should be. And then he meets this girl. He falls in love. They get engaged to be married, and she's pregnant, not by him. And he knows to take action. He knows what to do to move on. But God comes and says, hey, Joseph, what I want for you to do is nothing. I don't want you to change anything. I don't want you to run out and make this better. I don't want you to fix this situation. I just want you to wait and listen. Let me move, and then you follow. I'm doing something. You need to come along for the ride. One of our elders um, shared a devotional at our last elder meeting, and I loved it, and I stole it, and I want to share it with you tonight. Um, It's from a website called tellingthetruth.org. You hear a lot about the spirit of Christmas at this time of year, but the spirit of Christmas needs to be superseded by the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christmas is annual. The spirit of Christ is eternal. The spirit of Christmas is sentimental. The spirit of Christ is supernatural. The spirit of Christmas is a human product. The spirit of Christ is a divine person. These distinctions make all the difference in the world. The angel explained to Mary that she was actually going to experience the birth of Christ through the Holy Spirit in her life. The angel said to her that the power of the Almighty through the Holy Spirit was going to rest upon her. The baby to be born of Mary would be the one whose kingdom would never end. Christ can also be born in our lives. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are born again. It is a supernatural spiritual work that makes us children of God brought into His family and His kingdom. Paul in the Apostle, uh, Paul in his letter to the Galatians says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, was not talking about an annual event, but a perpetual indwelling. The Spirit of Christ in us is not sentimental, beginning and ending with a sweet baby in a manger. It is supernatural, powerful, and life-changing. Living in the Spirit of Christ does not mean that people try hard to be more noble, more good, and more kind for a specific season every year. No, the Holy Spirit enables people to be what they're not and to do what they can't. The Spirit of Christ is actually God in Christ through the Holy Spirit being born in the lives of people in all times and seasons. 
The spirit of Christmas will come and go and be glamorized and trivialized. But all the while, the spirit of Christ is being born into one person after another, and God's eternal kingdom is being established in our lives. I love this idea that the spirit of Christ is at work enabling us to do what we cannot do and be what we cannot be. Notice how the spirit of God comes to Mary. Mary doesn't try harder to be pregnant. That's not how pregnancy works. Mary says yes to God being formed in her and then sees what happens. And Joseph doesn't say, God, I can fix this problem. Joseph says yes to God, actually in a different but powerful way, forming Christ in him, enabling Joseph to be what he's not and do what he can't on his own. Joseph doesn't try harder to fix his situation. He says yes to God being formed in him. The difference of Christ is rooted in the recognition that something different we have been waiting for was always going to come from God and not from us, that our job has always been to be prepared for the Messiah to come into our little hole and touch our lives. Christmas is about gift-giving, a lot of gift-giving in Christmas, and uh, I am completely engaged in this process. But in the midst of all of the the frantic wrapping and purchasing and packaging and putting together, um, I came across a story this week, actually, the first time for me, that is my favorite story of a Christmas gift. Um, I'm not sure it's a gift that's given on Christmas Day, but it's definitely a Christmas gift. I want to share a scene with you from um, this TV show called The Chosen. It's actually from an episode called The Messengers about the birth of Jesus, and you're going to see a little bit of a flashback of Mary in the manger after the birth of Jesus, but the majority of this clip is a conversation 15 years after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. It's a conversation between Mary, the mother of God, and Mary Magdalene. And Mary, Jesus' mom, is passing on some of the stories around Jesus' birth so that they will be carried on after her death because Mary is, is ill. And I hope you notice um, the gift that she gives. something else I want you to tell Luke. I want you to tell him about the swaddling cloths. You want him to write about it? People must know. I want to honor the help we received from the innkeeper, but I also think it's lovely that we use the same cloths they use to wrap newborn lambs. I wonder if God gave us that as a sign. It is lovely. Mm. And there's something else. Go get that box over there by the window. Open it. 
What's inside is yours. I kept them. <laughs> they meant so much to me, I just couldn't leave them. And now they're yours. Mother, there's a rib here. From when we gave a piece to one of the shepherds to dress his wound. Did you tell Luke about the shepherds? I love that part. Of course. I, I can't. I can't. This, this is too... can. And you will. It must be a reminder of where all this began. And how he was one of us for a time. Christmas is often about more things, more gifts, more cookies, more food, more stockings, more stuff. A lot of that stuff we outgrow. We outgrow our toys. We outgrow our clothes. We finish a great Christmas dinner and then ask, what's for dinner tomorrow night? But there are some gifts that we never outgrow, some gifts that touch us because Christ has touched them. Christmas has a different kind of hope for us, a hope that uh, rather than getting more of the same, the God who made us and made all of the little goods in our life comes into our hole and doesn't just talk to us. He touches us. And the difference of Christmas is found in touching Jesus in everything and everyone that Jesus touches. That's the gift of Christ. All the goods in our lives point to this one great. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. No matter how hard you try, you can't make it come faster or stronger in your life. The Spirit of Christ will form something eternal in you if you are but ready to receive Him. And in this season, where the spirit of Christmas is so often about getting more, may the spirit of Christ make you like Isaiah and the shepherds and Joseph and Mary and Mary Magdalene. May you have the privilege not of opening and giving and receiving gifts, but of receiving Christ and bearing Christ and sharing Christ so that you are holy and different, touched by Jesus just like the holiness of swaddling cloths saved by a proud mother, just like the holiness of a piece of wood splintered from the side of an old rugged cross, as the dirt from a tomb that is now and will be forever empty, as a person who is now alive because life Himself lives in them. This Christmas, when God comes and says, hey, how are you doing in there? Would you like to see something different? You say yes, and then just see what happens. Thanks be to God. Amen.